Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Happening now, breaking news on the deadly shooting in Kansas City during a celebration of the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory. We just got new information from the police on the victims and the investigation. Welcome to our viewers here in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer, you're in the Situation Room. This is CNN Breaking News. And let's get right to the breaking news. Major breaking news, a Super Bowl victory rally turns deadly as shots are fired after a parade honoring the Kansas City Chiefs. CNN's Nick Watt is following the story for us. Nick, we got an update from authorities just moments ago. Update our viewers. Well, Wolf, the headline from that press conference was that the two people who were detained, the two armed people who were detained, the police chief in Kansas City just referred to them as suspects. She suggested that the scene is no longer active in terms of an active shooter, but it is a very active scene in terms of the investigation, which is still going on to try to determine exactly what happened here. Now, of course, this happened at the end of that huge rally uh, celebrating the the Chiefs and their Super Bowl victory. We still do not yet have confirmation if the shooting was actually targeting that rally or connected in any way to that rally. The police are still working on that. In terms of uh, injuries, well, very sadly, one person has died and at least 14 others are injured, some of them in pretty bad state. Uh, we are told that three people, this is from the fire department, Three are critical, five are serious, but that number is very fluid. We're told that people are still walking in to hospitals. Um, now, there were 800 officers, police officers, policing this rally, this celebration. Um, take a listen to what the police chief had to say. I'm angry at what happened today. The people who came to this celebration should expect a safe environment. We had over 800 law enforcement officers, Kansas City and other agencies, at the location to keep everyone safe. Because of bad actors, which were very few, this tragedy occurred, even in the presence of uniformed law enforcement officers. And we are told that fire department personnel were actually giving life-sustaining treatment to people on the street. Um, now, the police chief also said that she has heard this um, suggestion that some fans were involved in chasing down at least one of those suspects. She says she cannot confirm or deny that, but she has heard that. Her main point really is that this investigation is still very, very active and they really don't have a lot of answers just yet. But they do have those two people in custody who are now being called suspects and at least 
14 people injured. And we've been hearing from some of the people who were at this event, this celebration. Um, they were talking about hearing sounds that they thought were fireworks. They thought this was a celebration. No, those were gunshots. Wolf. Very sad situation indeed. Uh, two suspects, as the police chief said, now in custody. 10 to 15 people, she said, uh, have been injured in this shooting in Kansas City. Uh, we're watching all of this. We expect more briefings uh, to be coming up very, very soon as well. Nick, stand by. We'll get back to you. I want to bring in CNN senior legal analyst Andrew McCabe, former D.C. chief of Homeland Security and Intelligence, Donnell Harvin, uh, and CNN sports anchor Coy Wire. Andrew, let me start with you. You're the former deputy director of the FBI. We just heard the mayor of Kansas City and uh, law enforcement there uh, give, give what they have. Not a whole lot of information, but some significant information. What questions jump out to you right now following what we just heard at this news conference? Sure. Well, obviously, uh, the authorities in Kansas City have done a lot of work in trying to to uh, protect this event in the best way that they can. They talked about over 800, I think 850 law enforcement officers were deployed to this event. But the fact, Wolf, is that an event like this is almost impossible to completely secure. It is a massive open space. Tickets are not required. There are no gates and you know admission areas. So combine that with the fact that uh, that Missouri is a state that does not control the carrying of firearms. Essentially, anyone can carry a firearm. You have a huge crowd uh, and likely a, a large, uh, you know, significant portion of that population carrying firearms. So any conflict or dispute can easily turn into a shooting. And then you have what we saw today. And that's assuming it wasn't sort of a targeted or directed uh, effort by people for political or, or uh, uh, other reasons or mass shooting or something like that. So um, very, very hard to secure this space. I think the questions we're all waiting to hear are more information. We'd like more information about the two people that are in custody. And specifically, how is it if they have it all, how have they connected these two people to the actual shooting? Were they just people who were fleeing and happened to have firearms and were arrested? Or are there actually witnesses or video coverage or some, so, some sort of evidence that ties them to the shooting that set this whole thing off? Yeah, those are important questions indeed. Donnell, uh, let me bring you into this conversation. What stood out to you from what we just heard from the Kansas City police chief and from the Kansas City mayor? Well, Wolf, um, as Andrew just said, I've worked at least a dozen of these between my time in New York and D.C. Uh, these are very, very difficult to stop a determined assailant. Uh, but the fact that she had 800 officers out there should be a deterrent for most people. Unfortunately, it wasn't today. And, and I want to be mindful of the fact that the victims, their family members may be watching this uh, broadcast right now. Uh, quite honestly, the fact <coughs> that uh, you had emergency response on the scene um, providing life safety uh, and life support uh, could possibly have uh, averted a worse disaster. We learned a lot in the emergency response community after the Boston Marathon attack. Uh, and so I'm sure as, as more comes out, you'll hear uh, about the pre-stage assets uh, in, 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 in terms of intelligence and first responders that I weren't seeing. Uh, but these are very, very difficult to secure. Uh, but I don't want to worry people. Like I've been to these, I've been involved in the planning of these, uh, and they are quite secure. Uh, and they're usually uh, the, the amount of law enforcement is a great deterrent uh, against most bad actors, but not today. 
Coy Wire, our sports anchor, you, you were there covering this uh, a huge celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs. This was supposed to be just a celebration, and hundreds of thousands of people were on the scene. How I understand some of the players of the Kansas City Chiefs are already reacting to this shooting. What are you learning? Yes. First of all, Wolf, I was speaking to several players on the field after this win. They could not wait for this moment. They all said, see you at the parade. These players have been looking forward to this for their fans, for this city. This is a moment. We're supposed to celebrate the Chiefs coming back-to-back uh, Super Bowl champs for the first time in nearly 20 years. People off work, schools closed, so that families could show support for their team. The city rallied behind them all season. The Chiefs didn't have any home playoff games this season, so this was the first time the community could really rally and cheer for their team in person. Now, there's several players posting on social media, Chiefs guard Trey Smith saying, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with everyone affected by today's incidents. A huge thank you to the first responders who ran towards the sound of danger. You're the ones who should be celebrated today. Chiefs defensive tackle Donovan Smith simply saying, praying for everyone today in Kansas City. Now, uh, Wolf, uh, as a former player, I can say that these players would have been fanatically thinking about their families. Many of them aren't on the parade route, uh, so they're thinking, are they okay? Thinking about the kids or members of the community who volunteered for their foundations at times throughout the season. You create that bond with your community. So this was a very uh, daunting moment for many of the players indeed. Now, Mayor Quentin Lucas did say during a news press conference that all Kansas City Chiefs players, coaches, and staff were safe and accounted for after the shooting at the end of that Super Bowl celebration rally, Wolf. Yep, I heard uh, that uh, comment from the mayor, uh, as as did you. Uh, Andrew, uh, what did the next few hours look like for the police and for the investigators who are looking into what happened? Well, first, Wolf, a lot will determine uh, will be determined based upon the level of cooperation, if any, they get from the two individuals who are in custody. Uh, but I would expect beyond that interaction, police are probably going to, if they haven't already, begin reaching out to the community to solicit the submission of potential evidence. So there were undoubtedly thousands of people in the immediate area around the shooting who may have captured uh, photographs or videos of of the event. And those videos and photographs can be critically important in identifying people who may have been involved. Um, the, the, the obvious analog is, of course, uh, the Boston Marathon bombing, in which we made the same sort of request to the public, and then we were completely buried by the overwhelming response we got. But many of those videos and personal photographs ended up being important to us in our efforts to identify the bomber. So I'd expect you'd see a similar effort like that here. They're going to have to really stand up a very robust team to review that material. It is not easy uh, when you essentially have to have eyeballs on every piece of evidence that gets submitted. Uh, that's some work that can take some time, but it can really help crack a case open. It's interesting, Danelle. Uh, the Kansas City Police Chief, uh, Stacy Graves, says uh, two suspects, suspects have been taken into custody. Uh, what's your reaction to that, that there are two suspects right now as opposed to one, and there potentially could be more down the road? One thing I've learned in my in uh, my 30 years of doing this business is what you learn in the first few hours could not be uh, sometimes could be misleading. Uh, the fact that they do have two individuals that were armed uh, could lead to uh, all types of speculation. But you know it could be as something simple as a as a minor dispute between people uh, or something that could be uh, proven to be actually more of an evolving uh, conspiracy. Uh, the fact of the matter is that guns are ubiquitous in our country. Uh, this marks, I believe, the 
seventh mass shooting. That's four more people shot in, in one incident this year alone. And so we're on track to, to be like last year, which is you know, 1.3, 1.4 mass shootings a day. Uh, and so investigators, as Andrew said, are, are really working all the leads, they're checking all the CCTV, all the, all the tips and leads that they're getting. Having two people in custody is a good sign, but it may not be the end of what's going on here. Andrew, uh, is it unusual uh, that uh, there is more than one uh, uh, alleged gunman right now? There, there are two suspects involved in this mass shooting in Kansas City? It is unusual, Wolf, if you compare this to just mass shootings in general. We're unfortunately very familiar in this country with um, with coverage and information about uh, situations in which a sole shooter goes into a school, a church, a grocery store, you name it, uh, and commits a mass shooting. And so that's the that's the format we kind of expect. So having two armed persons taken into custody right away is a little bit of an anomaly. However, if you look more broadly across the scope of mass shootings and terrorist attacks and things like that, it's not uncommon to see more than one offender, more than one shooter, more than one armed person. So it really depends um, a lot depends on what we're actually dealing with here. I think Darnell's uh, absolutely right. This may have been nothing more than a dispute between two people who happen to be armed. And then when one person pulls out a gun, the other one does, and, and then you have shots fired. Um, or it could be something much more complicated, like a planned attack. Uh, but but if that's the case, it's, it, it is somewhat rare that you'd see that uh, executed by two uh, two armed individuals. We're now being told that there will be another news conference coming up at the top of the hour. We'll, of course, have live coverage of that as well. Coy, uh, this was a celebration of the Chiefs. They win the Super Bowl, one of the happiest moments for so many people, especially young people who are devoted Kansas City Chiefs fans. They get together, and, and all of a sudden, a tragedy like this occurs. How does this, a city like Kansas City and the folks there get together after a tragedy like this. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of get together, I mean, it, it, there was a, a huge contingent of fans from Kansas City who made their way all the way out to Las Vegas to support their beloved Chiefs, spending thousands of dollars so that their family can go uh, witness this uh, potential piece of history as they continue this dynastic run. Again, their second, their back-to-back -back Super Bowls was the first time that had happened in the NFL in nearly 20 years since Tom Brady and the Patriots did it. And so now you have this moment on Valentine's Day when people are off work, kids are off school, to go and be able to celebrate not just this team and these players, but the city, right? They've instilled hope in that community all season long with their play on the field, but with the way they go back and give back to their communities. They're, they're dedicated to the people and the fans there. As an NFL player, you're, you're always looking ways to reach out. You have a foundation, people come and volunteer, you create these bonds. So this is gonna be a difficult situation for many of the players, but you, the, just as they did rally on the field uh, this season and in the Super Bowl, claiming that championship title once again, they will also rally for their community. I expect fully that we will hear from the top to the bottom, from the Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reeds, all the way down through the roster from players in the coming days, uh, how they are going to reach out and help support and how they can help initiate change if they see need fit and if they feel their platform is worthy of that. That's what the NFL Brotherhood is about. It's not just going out there and playing some game. They are, they are leaders um, and they, are, they know that they help instill hope and lift communities up. They'll be well aware of that and they'll be seeking any way they can do that. We'll be sure to bring that to you as soon as we know. I'm sure that will happen indeed. Uh, those Kansas City Chiefs fans 
Uh, we're so excited, understandably so. Their, their team just won the Super Bowl. Now they were celebrating, and all of a sudden this happens. Andrew, uh, as we heard, authorities now say between 10 and 15, maybe at least 14 people have been injured in this mass shooting. Uh, what does that suggest to you? Well, Wolf, what, the numbers that uh, that really will unlock the significance there is when we determine the exact number that were injured by gunfire. Um, I've heard different numbers, uh, quite frankly, over the course of the reporting in the last few hours. I think recently uh, one of the hospitals has reported they have as many as eight people who they are treating for gunshot wounds and the remainder who have been injured in ways other than being shot, maybe in fleeing and getting trampled by the crowd, what have you. Um, so what it, what it says is that wherever you had this conflagration that turned into, turned into shots fired, possibly between the two people who are currently in custody, but we don't know that for sure yet, it certainly suggests a lack of, of precision and a lack of direction or possibly an intent to harm as many people as, as they could. Um, you know, we still haven't heard from law enforcement in terms of how many shots they think were fired. Um, and so possibly we'll hear that at the uh, at the next news conference at the top of the hour. Uh, but there's a lot of details here, uh, Wolf, that we haven't heard yet. There's just a lot of facts that we're waiting on. Um, certainly the more people who are who who happen to be injured by gunshots, uh, at, you know, at the center of this uh, controversy, as that number goes up, the situation gets uh, more and more grim. And, and, and obviously our hearts go out to those folks who are uh, healing uh, from those injuries now. Yeah, our hearts indeed go out to all those folks. So, so sad indeed. And to see those pictures, the huge crowds, thousands and thousands of people. And then all of a sudden you see so many of them running and, and hiding and squinting down because they hear gunshots and and that's it. Take a look at that video right there. It's just heartbreaking to go through the minds. And so many young kids are with their parents, their families. They're running as well, simply to try to stay safe. Donnell, how difficult is it for law enforcement right now to respond to a situation like this with such huge, large crowds? Once again, the planning to these type of things is meticulous. And, and obviously, Kansas City, having won uh, multiple Super Bowls, is not new to this type of uh, arrangement. Um, what you'll see if you look at the video, that there's cordons, there's actually routes for law enforcement and first responders to come in unab unabetted um, by, by, you know, anything else. And so um, this is well planned. These type of events happen all the time. Um, and, you know, once again, the rapid response of law enforcement and EMS and fire uh, is, is assisted by the fact that they have these cordons that they put people in. That also actually becomes what, what we call a fatal funnel, right? And so you really don't need to have good precision um, or, or, or really be uh, targeting anybody to shoot someone um, and, and, and hurt a lot of people by stampede or just having that congestion. We call that, you know, crowded spaces um, and vulnerable places. So uh, there, there's a kind of juxtaposition there when you have so many people kind of penned in, they really can't go anywhere. You see people jumping over, uh, you know, barricades, but those barricades allow for law enforcement and first responders to get in rapidly, treat patients, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, stop the threat, um, and then kind of locate who needs help. Yeah, so important indeed. Uh, everyone, thank you very much. Stand by. Don't go too far away. Our breaking news coverage is only just beginning this hour. And we're also awaiting any reaction from the White House to this very disturbing new act of gun violence here in America. 
We're back with the breaking news on the shooting. The shooting in Kansas City during a celebration to the Chiefs' Super Bowl win. Police now say one person is dead and 10 to 15 are injured. We're standing by for another update from the police. That's coming up shortly, uh, we're told, right at the top of the hour. And we'll, of course, have live coverage right here on CNN. I want to check in uh, with the White House right now. CNN's oh, MJ Lee is standing by over at the White House. Uh, MJ, I understand the president has already been briefed on this. That's right, Wolf. The White House is, of course, monitoring this situation, and the president has been briefed, and the White House has been in touch with state and local leaders and is offering any federal help that might be uh, useful. Uh, unfortunately, Wolf, as you know very well, this is a very familiar drill for this White House and this president at this point. Uh, you know, earlier this afternoon, I was with the White House official in their office when this news was breaking on television, and they looked up and said, you know, this is just sort of the sad reality uh, of America today, and they said this is why we, the White House continues to talk about gun violence uh, as an epidemic. Uh, of course, there have, have been uh, countless uh, mass shootings under the pre president's watch, including in Uvalde, Texas, in Monterey Park, uh, California and in Buffalo, New York. And each time uh, we hear the president calling on Congress to take action, uh, including a ban on assault weapons, uh, which you might recall was uh, at one time in place but ended up expiring in 2004. Uh, we've also seen the White House and this administration try to take uh, any executive action that they can. The White House also uh, recently launched uh, a new gun violence prevention office. Uh, we did also see the president back in uh, 2022 sign into law a gun safety legislation, uh, but he has been clear since then, whenever he has talked about this issue, that that bill, that law in and of itself simply wasn't enough. So we certainly expect whenever we do hear the president address this issue, uh, say some of those familiar lines and definitely once again, uh, call on Congress to take more action, Wolf. Yeah, it's hard to believe uh, it goes on so often, these mass shootings here in the United States. MJ Lee at the White House, thank you very much. I want to bring back our law enforcement experts, Andrew McCabe and Donnell Harvin. Uh, Andrew, are you surprised that a shooting like this could take place when police were already on the scene with more than 800 law, enfor law enforcement officers there getting ready for all of this? Yeah, not at all, Wolf. Not surprised at all. I mean, this is a massive event, tens of thousands of people at least, uh, conducted in an open area outside in which access to the event is not controlled. And then in, in, so in, in addition to that, you have it takes place in a state that has very loose open carry laws and firearms, uh, uh, firearms laws. So it just makes sense that you're going to have um, some percentage of that population attending the event are going to be carrying weapons. Compare that to an event uh, like we experience here every four years or so on the inauguration of a new president. So we have a massive open space. It's Pennsylvania Avenue from the Capitol to the White House, where the president typically, uh, you know, we have a parade and the president uh, walks or rides some 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 distance along Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, the lengths that the law enforcement community goes to here in DC to completely ensure that there are no guns anywhere near that street that could possibly be used uh, at or, or near the president is the entire area is frozen a day in advance. Every vehicle is removed. Uh, every person who has a ticket, you have to have a ticket to get into that area, has to go through a magnetometer and metal screening uh, to make sure they don't have firearms. That's the only way to secure a massive outdoor area like this. It takes 
thousands of officers and National Guard uh, men helping them out uh, and a massive amount of resources to do it. So um, it doesn't surprise me that we had people in this crowd who, for whatever reason, hopefully we'll find that out soon, um, ended up in a violent confrontation involving firearms. Yeah, I suspect down the road, uh, law enforcement authorities around the country, whenever they have an event like this, are going to be doing a lot of what has been done annual in Washington, D.C., all of the time when there's a major, major event. Donnell, uh, law enforcement says this is still what they describe as an active crime scene. Walk us through that. What are they looking for right now? Well, it's going to be active for quite some time. Um, unfortunately, there was loss of life, so that really uh, takes the forensics to a whole nother level. But you have to uh, look for uh, shell casings. Uh, you have to um, look for CCTV. There's obviously a lot of coverage in that area. Um, I am certain, I'm 100% certain that someone was recording or multiple people were recording with their cell phones uh, at the time this happened. Um, and so obviously the individuals that they've detained uh, have firearms. They'll have to obviously test those firearms to see if those are similar to the shell casings uh, that they found on the scene. So there's a lot of work that has to go on. Uh, and obviously the, this, this is a huge crime scene that's been trampled with, by people. And so um, I, it's not unlikely for folks to get home and find a shell casing uh, in a bag or an item of clothing um, or in the hospital. Uh, and so they have to talk to people in the hospitals. Uh, there's a lot of evidence that has to be gathered. Um, and so obviously this is just evolving as we're, as we're watching this unfold. Uh, there's a lot of work that investigators have to do, but I'm sure they're up to the task. And now you can relate to what uh, Andrew was just telling us, how D.C. law enforcement prepares for a, a big parade down Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House over to Capitol Hill. Uh, walk us through that, uh, the difference between how D.C. police uh, prepare for something like that as opposed to what was going on in Kansas City. Well, just to give you an idea, we start planning for the inauguration before we even know who the president is. Uh, that, that planning starts in earnest, usually the summer of before. So we're talking about five or six months before uh, the drumbeat leading up to the inauguration. We're, we have multiple meetings, consequence management meetings, intelligence meetings, um, talking a lot about the same things that Andrew talked about, who's getting in, who's not going to be allowed in, uh, the magnetometers. You simply can't do that at the state or local level. They don't have the resources to do that. Um, obviously, this, you know, the Super Bowl was won on Sunday, and they're putting this together a few days later. And so uh, you asked Andrew if he was surprised um, that this happened. I'm actually surprised in all my years of, of, of working these type of events that this is the first time this has happened, because it's a mass amount of people. It's almost impossible to secure these locations. And the best bet that law enforcement has is to have an overwhelming presence. And once again, that's going to deter most of your would-be bad actors, except those that are really determined. Yeah. Andrew, we know that the Kansas City Chiefs players, the coaches, the staff, uh, were told by law enforcement they are all safe right now. And they were there at this uh, parade, this celebration, in large numbers. Is there any reason to think they were actually a potential target? I don't think we have facts to indicate that just yet, Wolf. But as I said before, there's still a lot of details that we don't know. I think 
Um, interestingly, uh, they mentioned in the press conference that the shooting began on the west side of the train station of Union Station there. And we know that the the presentation or the 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 show essentially with the players and others was taking place kind of on the on that uh, on that southern facing entrance of the train station. So, Th- those those two locations are pretty close by. We also know the shooting started right at the end of the ceremony, just after some of the players had been speaking or singing. Um, so the the event seems to have taken place um, locationally not far from where the players were located, and likely temporally, you know, pretty close to when they were on the stage. Now remains to be seen um, exactly how, you know, whether or not they were up there when the shooting was actually taking place. But these are some of the details that investigators will be able to reconstruct once they have that network of uh, CC uh, uh, TV footage um, and and uh, of folks attending the event who have su- who will submit their own personal videos of the event. You kind of patch all that stuff together like a massive quilt, uh, and it gives you a better look at exactly what was happening in different places. Andrew and Danelle, uh, guys, don't go too far away. We're staying on top of the breaking news. Uh, it's, it's unfolding still in Kansas City. We're standing by for another update from police. Right at the top of the hour, we'll have live coverage right here in the Situation Room. Our special coverage continues right after this. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number Limited Edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with the breaking news on the shooting in Kansas City during a celebration of the Chiefs' Super Bowl win. Joining us now is Kevin Sanders, uh, who is at this deadly parade celebrating the Chiefs' victory. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for spending a few moments with us. Uh, we're so glad you're safe, yeah. you're uninjured. But tell us exactly where you were and what, what happened. What did you see where you were? Um, we were uh, we were directly south of, I guess, of where it happened. And, um, we, I mean, we didn't realize what happened. We, we thought it was fireworks going off, but we did see people scrambling from the area, but it, 
it seemed to uh, subside pretty quickly. So we weren't we weren't initially alarmed. Did you see uh, any injured people? We're told ten to fifteen people were injured. One person was shot and killed. What did you hear from uh, folks over there at the rally? Yeah, no, we. I mean, we didn't see we didn't see anybody. We were probably seventy five yards away from there, and we did not see anybody injured ourselves. And it was actually quite some time before we realized that it was actually a shooting and uh, that people were were injured. How long did it take, actually, uh, Kevin, to uh, realize that you were in the middle of a mass shooting? I assume you heard gunshots. Well, it it they they it didn't it didn't sound like gunshots. They weren't they didn't they weren't loud enough for us to think that they were gunshots. It it, it sounded like fireworks, like fireworks and it was yeah. it was it was quite some time before. I mean, I don't, I don't know the timeline because we weren't keeping track, but it seemed like it was a fair amount of time before any emergency vehicles were coming to the uh, to the scene. Kevin Sanders, we're glad you're but okay. I don't, Thank but you. I don't know what time we're on that. Yeah, okay. We're glad you're Thanks. okay. Thanks so much for spending a few moments Thank with you. us and updating our viewers on what you felt and what you saw at this horrific shooting in Kansas City. Once again, we're standing by for another update from local police, law enforcement. They're going to update us on the latest developments on the suspects, on those who were injured, shot. Uh, we're watching all of this unfold right now. Much more of our special coverage right here in the Situation Room right after this. Our breaking news that we're watching, police say one person is dead, 10 to 15 others were injured after a shooting at a Super Bowl rally in Kansas City, Missouri. We're watching that. We're also watching another major story that's unfolding tonight here in Washington. The chairman of the House Intelligence Committee announcing what he described as a serious national security threat that a source tells CNN is related to Russia. For more on all of this, we're joined by Representative Gregory Meeks of New York. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. I know, first of all, you were briefed on this so-called national security threat that the chairman of the Intelligence Committee announced. What are you able to share with us about the nature of this threat, uh, if, well, you, if you can? Yeah, I can't tell you any specificity of anything. I would just tell you that there's no cause for anybody to panic or, you know, some people were uh, calling in and asking should they uh, rush for cover somewhere of that nature. There's no, no need for anyone to panic or anything of that nature. But I can't go into the specifics, as you've indicated, uh, that uh, it uh, is classified, but there's no uh, urgency uh, and anyone, no one has the need uh, to worry about something drastic happening uh, uh, to, to the United States of America. So, so the speaker, John, Speaker Johnson, is correct, I take it, when he says there's no cause for alarm. Is that right? That is correct. I, I know you can't give us classified information, but can you at least share with us that this is a national security threat involving Russia? I cannot... Um, uh, Wolf, um, as I said, I, I can only tell you what we've done and what, the, you know, what I've just said and what the speaker have indicated, but I cannot tell you uh, anything other than that. Uh, it's classified information. I understand completely. Let's discuss the breaking news, the awful breaking news out of Kansas City right now. 
uh, what's, going th what's going through your mind, Congressman, seeing yet another horrific mass shooting here in the United States, this time at a very crowded Super Bowl parade that was supposed to be a happy celebration? If I seem a little down, Wolf, it's because of that. Uh, I'm devastated about uh, what took place in Kansas City, and, my, and I um, you know, have to give my prayers uh, to those that, uh, who are the victims of this. But you know, as a member of Congress, you know, seeing this over and over again, uh, and then I'm sure we'll go on the floor and we'll say, give our prayers, uh, and then it happens again. And I think, you know, as the ranking member on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, I travel all over the world. Uh, and when I talk to uh, individuals in other countries, uh, they're looking at what's taking place in the United States. And they often ask, what's going on with the violence in America and the numbers of shootings that they see uh, with innocent people dying uh, by gun violence? Uh, and when they don't see it happening uh, in, at, with the frequency that they see here in the United States. Uh, and so that, that goes into my mind. What, you know, people on the outside are looking at us on the inside and we supposed to be the leaders of the free world and saying what's happening internally in the United States that they can't get a control uh, over their gun problems where uh, mass murders are now you know seem to be occurring uh, almost on a regular basis. Yeah, when I'm overseas, people say exactly the same thing to me, and people are watching us right now all over the world, and no doubt they're wondering what is going on in the United States. Congressman, what will it take right now for Congress to finally enact uh, what's called some common sense gun reform to deal with this? Well, I think that it's, uh, you know, we've got to get to the point where um, we will sit down and talk to one another, not allow a gun lobby or anyone else uh, to separate us. And I think there's room to do that. It had been done, especially with assault weapons, uh, Wolf. We had an assault weapons ban previously for years. Uh, it expired. There's no reason why we can't do what had already been done in Congress and ban assault weapons. It's been done, but that's when Congresses talked to one another, sat down to resolve problems as opposed to utilize it as a campaign weapon. Uh, so we've gone backwards instead of going forward. Uh, we need, and so we need to uh, work and do just what you said. Common sense laws, and I think we start with uh, doing what had been done, banning assault weapons. Representative Gregory Meeks of New York, thanks so much for joining us on this Breaking News Day. Appreciate it very much. And we'll be right back with much more on the Breaking News. Once again, we're standing by for a news conference in Kansas City. We expect to hear from the police chief, other law enforcement authorities, an update on this shooting that just occurred a little while ago in Kansas City. It was supposed to be a celebration of the Kansas City Chiefs' win in the Super Bowl. It turned out to be yet another shooting here in the United States. One dead, between 10 and 15 people injured. Two suspects have been arrested. We'll have that live coverage of the briefing. That's coming up momentarily. But in the meantime, there's other important news we're following, including up on Capitol Hill, a new CNN interview with the Senate Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, on deep divisions within the GOP over aid to Ukraine and more. CNN's chief congressional correspondent, Manu Raju, is joining us right now. Manu, what did uh, McConnell say about the criticism he has received in pushing Ukraine aid? 
Well, he is strongly defending his push for Ukraine aid in a larger $95.3 billion package. That, as well as a bipartisan border security deal that was killed essentially by Donald Trump, opposition from Donald Trump, as well as House Republicans and other Senate Republicans. Those That bipartisan deal fell by the wayside. And then they pushed forward this aid package that did not include border security provisions. That has en- endured sharp criticism from the right flank of his party. But McConnell indicating this is bigger than party politics in his view. He said one more point. Every argument against this is wrong. Every single one of them. Most of the money being spent here. Europeans have done as much or more. And after the $55 billion from $55 billion from the EU, more than we have. Not a single American soldier has lost their lives in this fight. We've got a bunch of people willing to kill Russians. I can't find any argument against this that makes any sense. So I think it's a political reaction led obviously by the likely nominee for president having a view, expressing a view on this. And Wolf, he essentially called on the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, to put that aid package on the floor of the House for a vote. He said, why not have a vote on it? Johnson, though, has indicated he has no plans to move forward on it, showing a point of contention between the two most powerful Republicans on Capitol Hill. Yeah, significant. Wolf. He's directly blaming Trump uh, for this chaotic situation. Manu Raju up on Capitol Hill. Thank you very much. Coming up. Police will be holding a news conference momentarily on the deadly shooting at a Super Bowl rally in Kansas City, Missouri. We'll bring it to you live. That's coming up next. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Happening now, breaking news. A Super Bowl victory celebration turns deadly as shots ring out in Kansas City after a parade honoring the Chiefs' big win. We're standing by for a new update from police. This hour, it's expected to start momentarily. Welcome to our viewers here in the United States and around the world. I'm Wolf Blitzer. You're in the Situation Room. This is CNN Breaking News. We're following the breaking news. We're standing by once again to hear directly from Kansas City Police as so many questions remain unanswered about the Super Bowl rally shooting earlier today. We know at least one person is dead and 10 to 15 people are injured. Brian Todd has been covering the breaking story for us. Brian, a celebration of sports triumph rocked by gun violence. That's right, Wolf. We have new information tonight on how this incident unfolded and the information that police are now piecing together in the investigation. In the middle of a citywide celebration, panic. Shots fired in Kansas City, Missouri, as a rally for the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs was wrapping up. Multiple people were struck. Officials say one person is dead, 10 to 15 injured. Police say the shots were fired near Union Station in Kansas City, in the vicinity of the garage. As soon as the rally concluded, there were shots fired on the west side of Union Station. Officers were on scene in the area. I know one of the suspects was immediately pursued on foot. Police say two armed people who were at the rally have been detained. Witnesses described scenes of chaos. All of a sudden, people started crushing forward. Everybody started running. There was screaming. 
we didn't know what was happening, but this day and age when people run, you run. And so I put my arms around her and we tried to push through so people wouldn't run on top of us. And there was a woman crying, saying something about somebody had been shot. But when we were heading west trying to get you know back and away from it, we saw the, the police swarm a stairwell and then we heard another pop from there. And that's when I was like, okay, we're, we're, we're gone. Police say they're still trying to determine what prompted the shooting. It's not clear whether the people struck by gunfire were specifically targeted or whether the shooting was planned in any way. Kansas City Chiefs All-Pro quarterback Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of Super Bowl 58, posted on X after the shooting, quote, praying for Kansas City. Chiefs linebacker Drew Tranquil posted, quote, please join me in prayer for all the victims in this heinous act. Pray that doctors and first responders would have steady hands and that all would experience full healing. Now, authorities are now appealing to the public for more information. They want people who are at the scene to share information, including any video they may have taken. Wolf. So important indeed. Brian Todd reporting for us. Brian, thank you very, very much. I want to bring in CNN security correspondent Josh Campbell right now. Josh, police gave a briefing, a brief update just a little while ago. We're waiting for another briefing momentarily. Major questions are still unanswered. What are you watching for? Yeah, Wolf, you know, we're learning the what, what occurred here. Obviously, shots fired ringing, ringing out at the conclusion of this celebration. We're learning the number of victims. We still don't know who did it or why. Authorities have indicated that two people have been taken into custody. But as I've been saying all along, it's unclear right now, at least from authorities and sources, whether this event was specifically targeted or whether this may have been exchange of gunfire between two, two uh, parties, or perhaps these were people who had guns at that rally and, you know, drew their weapon in order to try to help stop a shooter, and they were then taken into custody. So a lot of questions that we're still waiting to have answered by police. You know, so often after these events, we will hear a definitive update from authorities saying there is no current threat to the community. We have not received that definitive update yet here. And so that that's the big question. Is one or both of the people that were taken into custody responsible for the shooting, or is there possibly another person that might still be out there that they are looking for? Now, as far as answering that question, as Brian was just mentioning, the police are appealing to any witnesses who were in and around that scene. They will also be gathering CCTV, surveillance footage from around that area. I'm sure that's already underway, that processing now, in order to try to not only localize the actual shooting event itself, but who may have been in and around that area, again, to try to determine that the people that they have in custody were actually responsible. And then finally, Wolf, this is the behind the scenes part. We know from the attorney general that the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives has now been brought in. You and I, Wolf, have covered so many of these shootings. The key role that ATF can play here involves ballistics, actually going through the shell casings that are left behind at the scene in order to determine what, where did that, where did they come from? Did they come from one of the weapons that those two individuals had in their possession? Or is there another weapon that has not yet been accounted for, all critical pieces of evidence that they will be processing and trying to put together. We are waiting an additional update from authorities to help answer some of these questions. But again, the big threat now, is there currently a, th a threat to this, excuse me, the big question now, is there a threat to this community right now or not, Wolf? Yeah, good question. Now we know the FBI has been brought into this investigation as well. Josh, stay with us. I also want to bring in CNN sports analyst Christine Brennan and former NFL wide receiver Dante Stallworth. Dante, let me start with you. We know the Chiefs players, the coaches, the staff were told by law enforcement authorities in Kansas City they are all safe. But as a former player yourself, how do you think they are feeling right now seeing what has just taken place at what was to be was supposed to be a huge celebration? Yeah, when you're celebrating a Super Bowl, you're not only celebrating amongst 
yourselves, you're celebrating with with all of your fans, with all of your hometown fans and people who traveled to come see you celebrate. And it's a family affair. And it's a it's a it's a sad day. I mean, it's just it's for players. Uh, you know, you, you saw some of the uh, some of the heartfelt tweets go out to the victims and just, you know, everyone that was there in attendance. It's, it's really sad because, like I said, it's a family affair <clears throat> and you never expect anything like that to happen at at such a, an event that's, you know, that's supposed to be about celebration and bringing people together and having a good time. I keep thinking about the young kids who were there with their parents who have to go through this uh, right now as well. Christine, uh, will we always think about this deadly shooting now when we look uh, at the Chiefs' Super Bowl win? We will, Wolf. I, I think uh, history, uh, we will see that uh, linkage forever. Less than 72 hours ago uh, was kickoff, and now this tragedy. And of course, our hearts go out to those who were killed and family members and injured. That's a much bigger topic than sports. But if we look at it from that perspective of sports and culture, Wolf, there are three examples in history. The Munich Olympics, 1972, 11 Israeli athletes and coaches killed by terrorists in the Olympic Village or at the airport in September of 1972, forever. You say Munich and the Olympics, and you think of that uh, terrorist attack and that ultimate tragedy of the 11 lost athletes and coaches. The Atlanta Olympics, 1996, a woman was killed by the pipe bomb left by Eric Rudolph, and another uh, photographer died in the aftermath a cameraman as he was rushing to the scene. So a woman killed at the Centennial Park in Atlanta, a moment of celebration turned deadly and tragic. And of course, the Boston Marathon, uh, the bombing there in 2013. I covered a lot of Boston marathons and the word Boston and marathon is now always linked to the tragedy of 2013. And again, I do believe sadly, we will now think of that Super Bowl and this glorious moment, the parade, the joy, seeing Travis Kelsey and all the guys running around. It will now forever be linked yeah. to this tragedy that, of course, we're just starting to find out. About you give it. us good how, histor how historic examples of this very important. Uh, thanks, Christine. Josh Campbell, let me get back to you. Uh, as I've been mentioning, police will hold another press conference momentarily. What questions you do you have? And I know you used to work at the FBI. What questions do you have that you're hoping to get answered? Well, first, are the people who were taken into custody, uh, are they willing to talk? Are they describing what exactly happened? We've seen in a number of incidents where people who are involved in shootings will willingly tell police what occurred. Sometimes they will lawyer up. Uh, if these were indeed innocent bystanders who were just there with concealed weapons uh, that were then discovered, that could quickly be ruled out. And as I mentioned, the ballistics, but really getting to a sense of what did witnesses see around that scene about who was coming and who was going, who was holding the weapon when it went off. Big, big questions. And then finally, you know, Christine mentioned the Boston Marathon bombing. I was in the FBI when that occurred. That was a real test of modern technology, using uh, sophisticated technology to process tips from the public. They essentially went out, the FBI, asking the public, if you were in and around the finish line of the Boston Marathon, uh, we want to see your media. We want to see any type of images, any type of photographs. Even if you don't think it might be important, we need that information as investigators to try to call all, through all that information determine if we can pinpoint the actual suspects. They did just that, getting tips from the public, identifying who they believe was responsible, and those people ultimately, uh, one taken into custody, one neutralized, uh, but uh, leads from the public, very, very critical, Wolf. Yeah, that information from the public is so, so important. Uh, Dante, 
your former NFL player, do you think the NFL should rethink the way these sorts of rallies take place in the wake of this deadly shooting? That's a good question. Well, if you, you would hate to not be out there with your, with your family, with your friends, with, with the fans of the city. You, you, would, you would hate to not be out there. I just don't know if having this celebration any other way is going to really encapsulate the season that, you, that it takes for you to get to the Super Bowl and, and to win the game. It's a, it's a tough feat, and the fans are there with you every step of the way, and they deserve to celebrate just as well as the fans do or just as well as the players do. So, you know, I hope there's something that can happen to where these, these events are m- made much more safely. But uh, until then, you know, the, the NFL does have to look at, at this from a security standpoint as well. reassess all of this. All right, guys, thank you very, very much. Don't go too far away. Much more of our breaking news coverage coming up right after this. And we're once again standing by momentarily for the start of this news conference from Kansas City Law Enforcement. There's a lot of breaking news we're following right now. Stand by for more on the Super Bowl rally shooting in Kansas City. We're standing by. We're awaiting a new update from local law enforcement. Uh, We'll have live coverage of that. That's coming up momentarily. Right now, there's other important news we're following as well, including the special counsel Jack Smith just responded to Donald Trump's filing to the U.S. Supreme Court in the legal battle over his claim of presidential immunity. I want to go to our chief legal affairs correspondent, Paula Reed. She's joining us with details right now. And Paula, I want to warn you and I want to warn our viewers that if this news conference in Kansas City starts, we will need to interrupt you and go to it right away. But while we are waiting that news conference, what does the special counsel say in this new filing to the high court? Well, Wolf, the special counsel, Jack Smith, wasting no time responding to Trump's request, asking the Supreme Court to intervene and put on hold a scathing, unanimous appeals court decision that found Trump does not have immunity that would shield him from the federal election subversion case that Jack Smith is bringing against him. Now, we know timing is really at the heart of this controversy because Trump wants to delay, 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 try to push this case back until after the November election. But Jack Smith, he wants to bring this prior to the election. And here he's asking the Supreme Court to reject what he describes as a, quote, novel theory of absolute presidential immunity. But he also tells the court, look, if this is something you want to take up, hear arguments on, please do it quickly. In fact, he asks them if they're going to do that to schedule arguments in March and decide the case and move it along on an expedited basis. He says that the charges here, the allegations, quote, strike at the heart of democracy and says that there is a public interest in having a speedy trial. He describes this case as having, quote, unique national importance. Now I'll be watching to see ultimately what the Supreme Court does here. But the big thing here is timing, Wolf. How long does it take the Supreme Court to give the parties and the country some guidance on what they're going to do? Because every day, every week makes it that much harder for Smith to bring this case, which was originally scheduled to begin in early March before the presidential contest in November. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, Paula, stay with us. I also want to bring in legal analysts Ellie Honig and Jennifer Rogers. Ellie, uh, first of all, what do you make of the special counsel's filing? Well, Wolf, this is Jack Smith's best and potentially last effort to try to get this case back on track in the trial court and, in fact, tried before the election. Now, Jack Smith makes a couple arguments. First of all, he says 
Donald Trump does not have any realistic probability of succeeding on his immunity claim. And that's something you have to show at this point in order for the Supreme Court to put the brakes on and take the case. And then Jack Smith says, and there's a broader public interest in getting Donald Trump tried. He does not say before the election, Jack Smith continues to refuse to acknowledge that he's motivated by the election, but he says there's a broad public interest in getting Donald Trump tried quickly on these charges. Now, the other thing Jack Smith says to the Supreme Court is, if you are not going to put this on pause, if you are going to take this case, please, please, please rule, give us as short and quick a schedule as you possibly can. Jack Smith obviously wants to cover himself at every turn and give himself the maximum possible chance to get this case tried before the election. Jennifer, what stands out to you? Well, I agree with Ellie. All of those points are important. To me, I think the critical point and the one that Jack Smith started with is this notion that you can't stay this matter if you don't have a likelihood of success on the merits. Really what he's saying to them is the DC circuit got it right. He's not gonna win if the Supreme Court takes this up on the merits, so don't take it up. That's the primary point. And the others of course are, but if you do, let's do it quickly and all of that. But really I think his, his strongest argument is the one he led with, which is it's not going to win on the merits of the matter. So just leave it where it is right now. Important. Uh, Paula, how does this intertwine with Trump's other legal cases unfolding this week, including the Manhattan hush money case, which could ultimately be tried first? Well, Wolf, I hope your producers have that complicated calendar graphic at the ready because tomorrow there is a hearing on a case a lot of people have kind of forgotten about. This is the criminal case brought by the Manhattan District Attorney uh, related to hush money payments that Trump made to adult film star Stormy Daniels ahead of the 2016 election. Now, that criminal case is currently scheduled to go to trial on March 25th. It was widely expected that, that would get pushed back because Jack Smith was on the calendar for March 4th. But now that the Jack Smith case uh, is on hold, right now it is possible that the Bragg case could be the first criminal trial that former President Trump faces. And tomorrow at this hearing, they will deal with a motion to dismiss this case. Unclear if that will be successful. But we're also looking for any guidance, any confirmation that this will indeed happen on March 25th. Now, if, hypothetically, the Supreme Court were to weigh in quickly and allow Jack Smith to go forward, it is possible, it's possible that the Alvin Bragg case would move and the Jack Smith case would go first. But that calendar, as we've reported for months, is an ever-evolving, changing uh, document. And it's just not clear right now when Smith's case will go. So as of now, the only trial that is actually on the calendar that we are confident will start is March 25th. Alvin Bragg, we may, though, we may get an update on that timing tomorrow at this hearing. We shall find out. Ellie, uh, now that both the special counsels and Trump's responses are in, what is the likelihood that the U.S. Supreme Court actually takes this on as opposed to letting the lower court ruling stand? Well, well, first of all, in terms of when we'll hear from the Supreme Court, the answer to that is any time. They can rule tonight. They can rule tomorrow. They can take a week. They can take two weeks. If we're trying to sort of count heads at the Supreme Court here and figure out, will they ultimately take this case? It takes five justices to keep the pause on in the district court, but it only takes four justices to actually grant certiorari, to actually take the case and rule on it. And if we're sort of doing the rough math here, to me, it's going to be a very close call. I don't see any of the three liberal justices, Sotomayor, uh, Kagan or Jackson wanting to take this case. I think there's a good chance Alito and Thomas would want to take this case. So if Alito and Thomas can get two more out of the remaining justices, Roberts, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, then they can, and Gorsuch, if they can get two of those four, then they will take this case and it will cause some delay. Yes, it will. Uh, Jennifer, do you think it's likely the Supreme Court takes this case on 
And what would that mean for the special counsel's case? Well, if they do take it, it means a delay, of course. I mean, they would decide it likely within the next few months before the term ends in June. But if the decision doesn't come till June, then they're talking about mid to late summers and the earliest for a trial. Um, I don't know whether they'll take it or not. The complicating factor is that, you know, even justices who think the D.C. Circuit maybe got it right, might think, listen, this is an issue of first impression. This is an issue that the Supreme Court of the United States needs to speak on so that it's binding on all courts across the land and not just the D.C. Circuits and the district courts therein. So, you know, it's not only about what do they think is best for President Trump, to put it kind of in the, the crudest sense, it could also be about this notion of what law do we want to make. And so that complicates it when you think about who might actually vote to take this up at this stage. Interesting. Paula, what are you hearing from your sources? And I know you have excellent sources on all sides. Hold on one second, Paula. The news conference in Kansas City is just beginning. Graves, the Kansas City Fire Chief Ross Grundison. One thing that we want to note at the outset, the situation continues to have updates. Things will continue to change throughout the night. That's why we are here to give you an update right now. The chief, uh, both chiefs, will be giving more information both on the numbers of victims, the status of victims. The chief of police will give more updates on the investigation. A few things to note that we talked about earlier. Uh, in terms of who was in danger, what existed, uh, it is my view as someone who did have to run at the sound of shooting that there were a number of people who were, in the very least, caught up in the incident in some way. Myself, my wife, lots of families, players, chief staff and others, their spouses, their families, a number of people who were in or near Union Station. So many people have been touched by this incident and we recognize that. We also pray not only for the victims, including the decedent that was discussed earlier and their family, but also the victims of the shootings right now who we hope are recovering inside our hospitals. We'll continue to give you updated information. At this point, we've talked to our federal partners. We have also talked to the Kansas City Chiefs. We will be talking to the National Football League and others. More so just to hear that all are safe who are with those institutions. And we continue to hope that all of those who are impacted are safe. To the extent you have information, about suspects or others, we do encourage you to call the police. Uh, however, if for whatever other reasons you have information about the incident, we, we will be looking to share that through different methods. So if you have information about the incident, suspects and others, please call the police. If you're looking for other information, we'll try to continue to give you regular updates. I'll say this final thing and then we'll come back for questions at the end. Uh, today was tragic for everyone who was part of it. I had the chance to talk to my wife just a moment ago, who said we became part of a statistic of too many Americans, those who have experienced or been part of or connected to a mass shooting. That is something that I hope we all recognize is highly problematic for all of us. I continue to commend our police officers, our firefighters and others who were there to respond instantly, but we also need to figure out a way to make sure that things like this stop happening in our country. With that, I turn it over to the Chief of Police, Stacey Graves. Thank you. I just want to echo um, the mayor's thoughts and his prayers and also to um, acknowledge that not only the, the victims who were actually hit by gunfire, but there are a lot more people who are going to be forever impacted by, by what happened here today. Um, you know, as, as people were running, 
you know, a lot of us law enforcement who are, who are running towards the danger um, also guided those who were in, um, in fear of their lives, and that's something to be said of, of how impactful today's event truly was. Um, again, we have confirmed there is uh, one deceased person. Our gunshot wound total has went up to 22, and Chief Grundison will provide a little bit more context to that. Um, right now, we're still working on a, a, the, a total of number of victims. This is still an active investigation. Um, I do want to comment on the question that I got earlier about a video of um, some fans tackling someone. We do have three persons detained and under investigation for today's incident. We are working to determine if one of the three are, are the one that was in that video uh, where, where fans assisted police. Um, our investigators are working with all of the surviving victims to connect them with loved ones. We are also working to identify our deceased victim so we can notify their family as soon as possible. We are also in the process of staffing a centralized phone number. The centralized phone number will be for those who are victims, witnesses, and if anyone has video or any information about what led up to what happened here today. Um, again, we are continuously receiving information uh, minute by minute, which is part of the delay of us coming down here. But. Um, I do want to pass this on to uh, Chief Grundison to give a little bit more context to some of the uh, the status of our victims. Just want to say that uh, all of KCFD's thoughts and prayers are with those uh, families that were affected by this tragedy today. And uh, while we were not expecting it, we were ready and prepared for an event such like this. Our uh, KCFD units along with our mutual aid partners that were working to assist us at this event touched a total of 22 gunshot victims. One of those was a fatality. Um, we had eight what we considered immediately life-threatening patients. We had seven with uh, life-threatening injuries and we had six that were had minor injuries. Of the most serious, the immediately life-threatening injuries, we had eight of those. Those were all transported and off the scene and route to hospitals within 10 minutes. Um, so we felt the response was certainly adequate and appropriate, and I commend all our staff working there today, along with PD, that did an excellent job under difficult circumstances. Um, we transported three different hospitals. We transported Children's Mercy, um, Truman Medical, and also St. Luke's in the Plaza. Questions? Yeah, so we're getting... Who are you asking? Anyone that can answer the okay. question. Um, so we've heard people talk about gunshots that they heard near the west side of Union Station and then also gunfire and situations that happened near the fountain and the stoplight over there near the intersection conversion. Was there two separate scenes? Was there one big scene? Do you know the answer to that question? That is still an active scene. We, we, that is a, a large ground to cover, as you know, the, the size of the Union Station. Um, I will tell you we have located that crime scene on the west side of Union Station. As far as in the front of, that is still under investigation. We have crime scene investigators as well as the detectives. Um, we had a lot of our assault squad detectives and our homicide detectives that were actually in uniform today working the assignment. So 
not only did you have uniform presence uh, immediately uh, responding to the scene, rendering aid, uh, going towards danger, but you also had detectives that were immediately on the scene that are, are still there and actively working. Are you investigating any sort of connection with the earlier shooting of the day at 27th and the uh, We are, At this time, we don't know if that's connected, but that is, is something that we are looking at. Children's Mercy says that they want parents to contact them if they don't know where their children are. Do you know that there may be, like, are there kids there who um, have a parent? Or? I can tell you we have detectives at all of the local hospitals that are investigating, um, like I said earlier, trying to connect our victims to their loved ones. Um, should that be the case, and it's, it's a child, um, someone can either contact police or if that is what Children's Mercy is requesting, of course they can contact them as well. Right now we do not have a motive, um, but we are asking those who may potentially have any kind of information, a witness or video to contact police. That's one of that, uh, what I talked about, that phone number that we're, we're setting up that's going to be centralized for victims, witnesses, and potential video evidence. Any age range on the person? I do not have that yet. I have not been able to confirm another um, another death. We mentioned that there were some victims taken to Children's Mercy Hospital. I understood from staff at Children's Mercy Hospital that they received uh, they have nine shooting victims, and they did. It's possible that one of them was an adult. Do you know how many children were shot? If it was eight or nine, and and when we're talking children, are we talking about little ones or 17-year-olds? Children accepts patients up to 17 years old, and uh, but we do not have that information currently on the exact ages of the patients that were transported. Yeah, yeah, I mean, children's confirming we did transport to Children's Mercy, but we do not have the ages of those patients. Mayor, how scared? You had over 800 officers deployed to work this parade, to work outside of Union Station, and still in a matter of moments, 22 people were shot. I mean, that's, that's what happens with guns. I won't get in a big debate right now. I think we're still doing an investigation, but, I mean, what you saw happen was why people talk about guns a lot. We had over 800 officers there staffed situated all around union station today we had security in in any number of places eyes on top of buildings and beyond and there still is a risk to people and i think that's something that all of us who are our parents who are just regular people living each day have to decide what we wish to do about it parades rallies schools movies it seems like almost nothing is safe and we had hundreds of law enforcement there working hard today. And I, wanna, I, I do want to echo the, what the chief said, who are running towards danger. But in a matter of seconds, someone who wants to disrupt anything, someone who wants to create any type of situation, or someone who is very simply reckless, can change not just one life or two lives, but almost two dozen. And that, to me, is absolutely devastating. And it makes me feel vastly more concerned as a parent just in the world today thinking about that. Chief, can you tell us more about how you were able to detain 
put those two in. I'll get you in just a second. Clearly caused so much harm. What was the question? Can you tell us more about how you were able to take those two suspects into custody? Um, officers, uniformed officers were on scene. Uh, I don't have all the information of exactly what they witnessed, but there was uh, a pursuit, apprehension, um, slight injuries from, by our officers taking someone into custody. But as far as um, the your direct a, directly answering your question, I don't have that information right now. Chief, okay. you have two gunmen in custody. Can you talk about weapons earlier? Can you tell me how many and what type of weapons? I don't have the exact on the weapons, but we have recovered firearms. I don't have a number for you or or a caliber. We have recovered firearms, um, at least one. Okay. You have two gunmen in custody. Do you believe there are any others still unaccounted for? We have three people that we have detained, um, and that is what we are asking for. Is if anyone has any information, is a witness or or has any kind of video that that may provide us if there is anybody else that that was involved in this. No, at this time, this the scene has been cleared. It's being held, and when I say cleared, um, I say the scene has been made safe, and it's been cleared. Right now, we are in the investigative portion of that, collecting evidence, um, whether that be digital evidence or physical evidence. That that is what we are we are doing right now, and we're also conducting interviews. Obviously, we have. Um, several victims that we need to, to have a conversation with, to ask questions, also witnesses. So there's a lot of work ahead in, in this. This is just the beginning stages, but um, we're moving as fast as we can. Can you explain that there was like a five minutes between the first shots and the second? All of, that has, all of that has not been determined just yet. Um, the number of shots, the time in between them, the motive, all of that is still actively being investigated. So we don't know if there were two separate scenes. We don't know the answer to that at this point. I cannot confirm that yet. And just, did I miss this? Last this one here, inside guys. or outside Union Station? This was all outside Union Station. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to make sure I'm right with my back. Because yeah. you have three people yeah. in custody. We have three people that are detained for, for investigation. All right, we just got some more information from the police chief, Stacy Graves, the mayor, Quentin Lucas, and from the fire department, uh, Ross uh, Grundison. Uh, and important information indeed 22, 22 gunshot victims, seven of whom are described now by law enforcement as having life threatening conditions and they've all been taken to hospital. Some of the children have been taken to the Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, we're told. Uh, three persons have been detained for questioning. Three suspects have been detained. Uh, lots going on. We're watching this very, very closely. I want to bring in uh, Josh Campbell right now, our, our CNN law enforcement uh, uh, reporter who, who knows what's going on, who's reported on all of this, formerly with the FBI. What's your reaction? What stood out to you from what we just heard from these Kansas City authorities, Josh? Well, Wolf, at this point, authorities have still not indicated whether they believe there is an ongoing threat to the community. I mean, in so many of these incidents that you and Andy and I have covered, we will hear police come out and at least provide some type of reassurance to the public that, look, we believe we have in custody the person or persons that are responsible, or there is someone who is at large who we are still trying to find. Now, in the immediate aftermath of an incident, the so-called fog of war, it's obvious why they wouldn't be able to answer that question. And even now, as they're trying to piece together who are these three individuals and how do they 
potentially factor into the shooting. One thing that, that I find you know quite interesting is that even in a case of what's called an investigative detention, where you're detaining someone for further investigation, the officer has to have some what's called reasonable suspicion that the facts are a crime may have occurred and this person may have information. Even providing that little bit of information could help allay the public. What was the suspicion of the officers who took these people into custody? Did they see them actively firing? Were they simply holding a weapon? Again, the question we're all asking is, did they get the person or persons who are responsible? So I think the quicker that authorities come out and provide that information, certainly that will provide some sense of, of uh, a calm to uh, the public. And again, I say this as someone who worked in law enforcement, Andy, as well. I certainly understand holding information close to the vest as the <clears throat> investigation is underway, but you certainly have to balance that, that public aspect as well, providing that information, at least to give them some sense that there's not still a threat out there, Wolf. And it's important, uh, Andrew McCabe, you're the former deputy director of the FBI. The FBI is currently involved, uh, clearly, in this investigation as well. It's important that uh, originally they said there were two, uh, two suspects detained. Now they say there are three persons that have been detained, and they say 22 gunshot victims, seven of whom have life-threatening uh, conditions right now. What stood out to you from what we just uh, heard, the new information? Well, Wolf, exactly what you said. And if you, if you remember, initially we heard, uh, or the uh, Kansas City Police released information that they had two armed persons in custody. So that tells us they've got two and that they believe both of those people were armed uh, when they were apprehended or near there too. Now what they've said is they have three people in custody. So we don't know uh, from that variance, we can't tell if the third person is also suspected of having been armed at any point and having participated uh, in the shooting. So there's really a lot of uh, a lot of gray area here. And I, and I think Josh is exactly right. Um, my suspicion is that the police don't really know at this point who was involved in the shooting, who was shooting at who, what was the purpose behind the shooting. And that's why they're being very deliberately vague. But we'll find out pretty soon because you can't hold people in custody for investigative purposes for very long in this country. If they're going to want to hold on to those folks, they're going to have to charge them with some sort of offense. Now, it's possible that they could charge the two that they found armed with firearms-related offenses that might not be the actual shooting, but we'll see that unfold over the next several hours, certainly by tomorrow morning. Yeah, and the way uh, the police chief phrased it, three persons have been detained. I assume they're suspects. That's why they've been detained. Three persons detained. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to add as well, I, th I think a key component coming out of that press conference is just also to <laughs> remind people that to this point, we've received no information, no reporting, nothing from sources indicating that this shooting specifically targeted this event. That's worth pointing out, obviously, just to understand the actual nature of the shooting. But so many of the incidents that the three of us have covered have often involved people settling disputes with guns. I mean, I think about past incidents here where I'm in California in 2022. There was a mass shooting where nearly 20 people were shot by five separate people who were shooting at each other. Of course, last year in August in Boston, there was a festival that was disrupted by people shooting at each other, multiple people injured. And so we don't yet know the motive. That obviously is something that we also you know, want to know, uh, but too soon to tell whether this was targeted, obviously no less tragic.
Yeah, police say 22 gunshot victims, one of whom is dead. Uh, everybody stand by. We're going to get back to you. We're continuing to follow the breaking news. I want to bring in right now Democratic Congressman uh, Jared Moskowitz of Florida. Congressman, thanks so much for joining us. And I'm curious, knowing your history, what's going through your mind right now seeing this truly horrific Kansas City shooting today when you were marking, what, uh, earlier in the day, six years since the Parkland School uh, shooting in your district that killed 17 students and staff members. You know, well, thanks for having me on this Valentine's Day, which I don't celebrate anymore because of the shooting at my high school and in my city in the city of Parkland six years ago. And now there are going to be other families uh, on Valentine's Day that will forever remember their Valentine's Day and won't celebrate anymore either because now we're gonna add more families to a list um, that of an exclusive club of families that no one wants to belong to, which is just going to school or going to church or going to a grocery store, store or going to a Super Bowl parade and not, not coming home. I mean, to hear that, obviously, one loss of life, seven people in life-threatening conditions and, and 22 people shot. Uh, I mean, this is just a horrific event. Um, it is exclusively only in this country. A lot of countries have mental health issues, but for some reason in this country, um, you know, we, we have no will to try to limit this. Uh, it's, it's thoughts and prayers, uh, and, then, and then we move on. And just, it's just horrific to see in general, but obviously horrific even more so to see on the sixth anniversary of the shooting in Parkland. You make important points. Let me follow up because we're awaiting for more details on the three people who have been detained. I assume they're suspects. We're also awaiting details on the type of guns uh, that were used. What, poli what policies, Congressman, do you support right now to stop these kinds of mass shootings like this one, that, like the one in Parkland uh, uh, in your in your district? Uh, what 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 do you what is re realistic right now, given the nature of the U.S. Congress? Well, look, I would just repeat what we did in Florida six years ago after the shooting. Within three weeks, we passed what was called the Marjorie Stillman Douglas School Safety Bill. We put hundreds of millions of dollars into mental health and to school resource officers and to school safety. But we also raised the age to 21 to buy a gun. We did three-day waiting periods, and we did red flag laws. Red flag laws, by the way, which have been used 12,000 times in the state of Florida in the last six years. Think about that, Wolf. 12,000 times law enforcement determined someone was either a danger to themselves or a danger to others. You know, we can do those things while also still respecting the Second Amendment. We passed this in Florida, the gunshine state, did it with Republicans leading the way, A-plus rated members of the NRA, signed by Rick Scott, who became a U.S. senator. So Florida is proof that it can happen on a bipartisan basis. And six years later, that law is not only still there, but it's even stronger. But Wolf, let's not pretend that I don't serve in the 118th Congress, which the only thing we're known for is suspensions and expulsions. Uh, you know, we're not passing any bills to help the American people. We're breaking history by removing speakers, removing cabinet members, but we're not we're not doing anything to keep people safe in their neighborhood or reduce uh, the, the cost of, of food or to help the economy. And so this is going to have to wait until the 119th Congress until we can get like minded people around a table to first decide that we want to help the American people. We'll see what happens uh, with uh, what so many people are calling common sense gun reform in the United States. Congressman Jared Moskowitz of Florida, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll be right back with more on the breaking news. Our breaking news, uh, Kansas City police just uh, giving an update on the Super Bowl rally shooting. Authorities now announcing a total of 22 gunshot victims 
and that three people have been detained for questioning. Meanwhile, other news we're following up on Capitol Hill tonight. Republicans are grappling with their new reality. Their razor-thin majority in the House of Representatives is even thinner after the Democrats won a special congressional election in New York, flipping a seat previously held by the GOP. CNN's Lauren Fox has our report. A Democratic victory in New York, shrinking an already narrow Republican majority in the House. Let me just enjoy this for one more minute, okay? As the GOP grapples with what it means for their chances in November. The result uh, last night is, is not something in my view, the Democrats should celebrate too much. There was a weather event that, uh, that affected turnout. There are a lot of factors there. That is in no way a bellwether of what's going to happen this fall. Many in the party arguing former three-term Congressman Tom Swazi won in a district where he had high name ID against a relatively unknown GOP opponent. I think it was a little bit of the, you know, the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. But the special election in the New York suburbs, still a key opportunity for both parties to test drive their messages and a sign for Democrats that they may be able to play offense on immigration, one of the most difficult issues facing them this cycle. If the Democrats are going to now going to try to campaign on wanting to secure the border, we should actually call their bluff and make them do it right now. On the trail, Republican Mozzie Pillup hammered Swazi on the border in a district where a migrant shelter was built just last summer. We are the fighters. But Swazi attacked his opponent for not having solutions and instead embraced a bipartisan Senate bill aimed at cracking down on asylum claims and more quickly processing and deporting migrants that come to the U.S. illegally. Tom Swazi talked about issues, fixing challenges solving problems. The district, which Biden won by eight points in 2020, has emerged as a key battleground for Republicans in recent years, with a powerful party apparatus that helped elect George Santos and a new class of GOP congressmen in 2022. Both parties view those suburban districts as key to winning the majority in 2024. Even with all of the differing points of view that might be contained in that district, they want folks to govern, they want folks to listen, and then to find a path forward. Republicans also casting blame Wednesday on colleagues who pushed to oust Santos as he faced federal charges, including money laundering and lying to investigators. He had not been convicted of a crime, and in my opinion, he shouldn't have been expelled, and he was a good Republican vote. But those who led the charge defending the decision. He was unfit to serve in Congress. I'm sorry, you have to have standards uh, in the halls of Congress. Our thanks to CNN's Lauren Fox for that report. And we'll have more on the breaking news just ahead. We're getting new information about the fallout also over at the White House after the president's interview with the special counsel in the classified documents case proved to be a political embarrassment. We're following the major breaking news on the deadly shooting in Kansas City, Missouri during a rally celebrating the Chiefs' Super Bowl victory. Police revealing just a few moments ago that there were 21 people wounded in addition to the one person who was uh, shot and killed. Authorities also uh, saying eight of the victims were experiencing, quote, immediate life-threatening injuries, including some children. Police saying three people have been detained and are now under investigation. Right now, there's another breaking story we're following. We're getting new details on how the White House handled the Biden classified documents investigation and the fallout 
after the special counsel's report portrayed the president as a forgetful elderly man. CNN's senior White House correspondent MJ Lee is part of the team working the story for us. MJ, you're getting new information. What are you learning? Yeah, Wolf, well, as you know very well, and as we've seen over the last week, the White House has been furious about this report uh, and how the report was uh, conducted and handled, uh, saying that it was gratuitous, it was inappropriate. Uh, but since the report's release, we have seen a fair amount of finger pointing, both at the legal team here at the White House and the communications team, with a lot of concerns and questions being raised about how the team decided to handle the release uh, of this report. Uh, as far as the legal strategy is concerned, something that we have heard from uh, allies of the president of this White House are questions about two things in particular. One, uh, the decision to let the uh, the, the um, interview uh, with the president and the special counsel that goes back to October, uh, letting that be recorded. Uh, and then the second concern uh, has been about the decision to go ahead with this interview that lasted uh, some five hours over the course of two days. Uh, and that uh, that weekend, of uh uh, in October, uh, excuse me, when the Israel war was breaking out, uh, folks uh, close to the White House sort of questioning uh, that as a legal strategy. And uh, what is clear has been you know, central to this legal strategy and talking to folks familiar with uh, the thinking behind all of this uh, is this desire to draw a clear contrast between the president's uh, handling of classified information and Donald Trump's handling of classified information. Uh, what we are told is that uh, all of that sort of led to this final decision to sit down for, for this uh, thorough uh, interview with Robert Herr. We're also told that there were some initial discussions about maybe postponing the interview, uh, given that things were so hectic that weekend. We were told previously uh, by White House officials that the president was understandably distracted that weekend, but they decided to go ahead with it anyway uh, because, in part, they wanted this investigation, for one, to come to an end, and they also weren't sure if they were to postpone it, uh, whether they would be able to find another time quickly where the president would have a chunk of time to sit down for this interview. And this is what um, one source close to the Biden legal team uh, told CNN. They said, after a hostile prosecutor investigated the president for 15 months, trying to find something to charge, the Biden legal team strategy ended with zero indictments and total exoneration. That is an unequivocal win. So in other other words, they're trying to say, you know, observers can second guess all they want. But at the end of the day, uh, they ended up having no charges being brought against the president, Wolf. And uh, MJ, the legal decisions aside, what else are you learning about the communication strategy? Yeah, a lot of questions about sort of the public-facing handling of all of this, uh, including the decision to have the president make remarks uh, that evening, hours after the report came out, taking questions from reporters, and also just some frustration from uh, White House officials and other Democrats close to the White House about the lack of a clear and forceful pushback. Uh, the White House's pushback on all of this has been that they did uh, have a plenty uh, forceful pushback, including the president going out, Ian Sams from the White House Counsel's Office taking uh, questions from reporters. But there's no question, Wolf, uh, that all of this has brought a lot of concern and questions about how this will feed into the political narrative uh, that the president has issues in terms of his memory and his age as well, Wolf. MJ Lee reporting from the White House. Thank you very much. And to our viewers, thanks for watching. I'm Wolf Blitzer in the Situation Room. Aaron Burnett out front starts right now. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.